The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on trying, learned something each time. Do whatever it takes, no matter how many times it takes. We did it, so can you. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's the first one of 2019 as Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone. Lots of things to look at, Arlen, when we look at the markets. And I was joking before we started the Final Bell was it sure is nice to see some green on the screen as we start 2019 for our grains. It really is, um, particularly after a, a negative end to the year. We we saw a significant uptick in farmer selling, a lot of tax-related selling that took place ahead of the end of the year. That added to some of the pressure. And, and so we saw a little bit of a bounce back today. We saw some, uh, with the pressure that we saw last week, we saw it hold some key chart support for both corn and soybeans. Uh, that was, uh, and that resulted in some buying to start this week as well. Uh, and uh, when you look at wheat, uh, we're pretty competitive now in the world market at these prices, as low as we've come with uh, Black Sea supplies tightening up. And and so from, you know, across the board, corn, soybeans, and wheat, there were reasons for some fund managers to come in and, and being modest buyers that gave us double-digit gains in soybeans. I'm not sure if that's justified, but soybeans um, often go too high and too low versus what's justified, so not necessarily surprising there either. Looking at the, this partial government shutdown and all the frustrations that have been thrown at us um, with obviously lack of information when it comes to exports and to purchases, to all the other things that are happening, but I think the big looming picture, and you mentioned it earlier, was the January 11th report. Is it is it going to happen? And as you said, it's the biggest report. Yeah, it is the biggest report of the year. I mean, it's not just an update of supply and demand balance sheets. It's the final 2018 production numbers. It's a quarterly grain stocks reports, uh, the first quarterly ones for the corn and soybeans. So we get a, a feel particularly on, fe- on feed usage for corn. Um, and, and it's a small grains uh, seedings report to give us an idea of wheat winter wheat seedings. There's just an awful lot of data in this report, and it's known for its surprises with that much data. Uh, I, I personally, you know, haven't heard anything from USDA yet, been watching for a notice from USDA. I personally don't see how they're going to have enough time uh, to pull that report together by January 11th, even if the government reopened today. Um, so I am expecting to see a delay. 
And what that basically means is uh, the markets are still waiting for updated fundamental information. Uh, we don't get the daily or weekly export sales reports from USDA on uh, what buyers have made significant purchases. So, you know, it's possible that uh, China could be coming in here and buying things and we wouldn't know it other than the fact that we're watching uh, the basis markets at the export terminals and we're not noticing any real significant uptick that would suggest an active buying by a you know an active buyer in those markets but uh, this market is uh, really in need of some more fundamental information it's just lacking right now well i'm curious obviously if, if they opened up tomorrow you said there's really not a lot of turnaround time what is the time frame do you think for them to get all this information together or does it get postponed till the february and we get a double whammy well, that's very possible. In, in 2013, uh, the October WASD report was never. Uh, they simply uh, <clears throat> just skipped that one and went on to the November. The January report, as I said, has all these other reports attached to it. They could just uh, release them on a delayed basis, depending on how long this government uh, shutdown continues. Or they may just throw them in with the February report, and the February report would essentially become the January report, um, but with another month of information dealing with Southern Hemisphere production and supply and demand data. Uh, so which way they'll go will probably depend on how long the shutdown continues. Right now, it doesn't look like we're any closer to a shutdown. Uh, the Democrats took over the House of Representatives today, and House Majority Leader uh, uh, Pelosi um, has outlined her strategy, and it seems to be confrontational, and, and they're both playing to the base. Uh, that's probably the first phase now with the change of leadership is play to your base and then get down to negotiation later when you, when you start to see who's got more support, public support than the other or whatever. So, you know, I think the market still anticipate that there will be some type of deal uh, here in the weeks ahead, but probably later rather than sooner. Uh, in other words, not today or tomorrow, but uh, maybe later this month. A lot of uh, outside market pressure with the dollar as well, uh, affecting the way we look at the trade in 2019. Yeah, a little bit of a reversal in trend in the dollar. The dollar had really been on the verge of just rolling over and heading lower, and that would tend to fit with the chart signals and the momentum and, and the longer-term cycles for the dollar, and that would be good for the commodities. Um, but we saw a resurgence of buying today. Some of that was due to a rate uh, increase in risk. Some of it was just flat due to a, a loss of value in the euro. The euro's got significant problems um, and posted a bearish reversal on its charts and that triggered a lot of buying of the dollar. Uh, Brexit is certainly a concern for the euro here as we as the March deadline for uh, United Kingdom breaking away from the European Union without an agreement approaches. Uh, Italy is certainly a factor. I mean, Germany's weak economy, there's a number of factors at play, but that weakness in the euro really pushed the dollar higher. And just a reminder that we don't uh, we don't live on an island; uh, that it's a global economy. And so, while we'd like to have a weaker dollar for commodity prices, um, that that may mean uh, uh, that may mean a stronger euro, and that's just simply not the case today. 
A lot of things to look at as, as we will come back and, and take a look at the harvest. Also wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Sunday's new, what used to be the TPP with now without the United States, what that's going to mean as well for this marketplace. Stick around, folks. We've got a lot to look at as we dive into the first full trading day of 2019. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Joining us again is Arlen Suderman with FC Stone. Stick around. We've got more coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're being joined by Arlen Suderman of FC Stone. As we headed to break, have a couple things going on. As we look first at what's going on in South America, I know that there's some early harvest that's underway in Brazil. At this point, though, pretty quiet on information? Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's not enough harvest data to really have any real trends, although we do expect yields overall to be pretty good. The early harvested soybeans are largely in the far northern areas where the weather is fairly favorable. Now, it's also known as the center-west district of Brazil, and they actually had the third driest December of the last 40 years. But keep in mind that that region normally gets far more rain than needed to produce a crop. Even though it was the third driest of the last 40 years, they still had almost seven inches of rain overall for the region. There are areas that um, have seen a shortfall in rain and have seen some crop stress and some irreversible yield damage. Uh, for the most part, those areas have been more than offset by good yields elsewhere. So we're still looking for something near trend overall for production. I'm expecting a report later today from my team in Brazil, but um, personally I'm looking for it to confirm a fairly normal crop overall for Brazil with significant supplies starting to reach the ports probably in about two weeks. And speaking of, I, the purchase last week of China when it came to rice from the United States, something we haven't had a lot of purchases of, knowing that we can't keep them supplying rice because I think I read somewhere that it would take 14 days for them to use up the entire U.S. supply. Yeah, they consume a lot. It's one of the staples over their food supply, not to the extent that it used to be, but uh, there's, it's a lot of mouths to feed. And and, and I, th- I think it does speak a little bit to the rice fundamentals overall. And you say, okay, how does that translate uh, into the other commodities? We do see a little bit of a correlation with wheat. And I think it correlates also with uh, how they're struggling to maintain supplies of all their commodities. We talk about the big reserve of corn in China, but it's been depleting at a very very rapid pace and so over the next year we're expecting the reserves of corn to be down as well and as we go into this month of january this is the time when we'd expect them to start buying corn and grain sorghum if they're going to do that and if they do that could have a much bigger impact on the price than what we saw in soybeans because we have such a huge surplus of soybeans with a big crop being harvested in south america here in the weeks ahead as well whereas the corn balance sheet is much tighter both domestically and globally so those are things we're watching for that uh, have the potential to help things on the, at the farm gate to a little, be a little bit more positive than what we've seen over the last year. So I'm curious, um, the comprehensive and uh, progressive agreement of the, which I can't get it spelt out, uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, what we used to know as TPP before we withdrew, is that going to have any effects with these 11 nations that now have some nice uh, tariff opportunities? 
Yeah, I, I think there are, and, and it depends on the commodity. It certainly could have a negative impact on uh, U.S. wheat exports, um, perhaps on uh, pork and beef exports as well. Um, I don't think it'll have much detrimental effect on corn or soybeans. Um, so here again, it depends on the commodity. Um, certainly, I think it would have been beneficial for us to be part of a good agreement with these countries. Uh, you can debate whether what was there was a good agreement or a bad agreement, but the fact is now that we are not in it and it is going forward, and so it does allow an advantage for some of our competitors um, within that circle to, uh, to compete with uh, some of the meats and uh, with wheat. Head over to look at the rest of this livestock complex. Feeder cattle at one point had some triple-digit losses, backed off just a little bit, but still some negativity to the trade today. Uh, there was, particularly in the beef sector, and it's kind of ironic because uh, as we finished 2018, we had some pretty fairly impressive fundamentals, at least better than what we anticipated. Uh, we had a very strong slaughter rates in December ahead of the holiday slowdown, um, and yet we absorbed that meat supply very well. Now we're entering in a time when we seasonally tend to strengthen, uh, excuse me, decline supplies and strengthen demand. Uh, and then we had the big winter storm in the central and northern plains taking weight off of cattle. So it seemed everything would be positive. And then lo and behold, as the weather starts to, uh, to change this week, then we get uh, the bearish reversal on the February cattle charts. And we saw some follow-through selling there. It was limited selling. I don't think we did any significant chart damage. I think this market still has support underneath of it. Uh, but the feeder cattle did have the bigger sell-off, and ultimately they're going to go off of what the fats do. So if we can hold these fats, then I think we'll be all right with the feeders as well. Real quick here, positives on the hogs. Good way to start 2019. It really is. We've got signs of a bottom in the cash market. And uh, so even though we're already at a big premium to the cash market, it does look optimistic going forward. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? intlfcstone.com or Twitter uh, slash twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. And that's a look at the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.